This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by firm yet supple grapes. This, what I hold in my hand, is a jewel of a red seedless grape, resplendent with deep red tones and a pale green around the stem end. This grape has a firm texture that will yield with a crispness and release a juicy sweetness into my mouth. Mm-hmm. That's good. Go to a grocery store and buy grapes now. That's what we did. I didn't. It's true. Okay, yeah, that is true, actually. We we just recorded an episode. We're in the middle of doing a run of three, which is a marathon we've never attempted before. I guess that's true. No, we've definitely, like, definitely not. We used to record the two topics at a time, uh-huh. but that's very different. Mm-hmm. It's very different than doing two separate episodes but we we recorded one and then jason demanded grapes i didn't demand grapes i said to grant do you have any really hard green grapes was what i was initially thinking of and you didn't but now our recording location isn't in the middle of the canadian wilderness so we were able to get in my car and drive the five minutes to sobeys and not if you're, even five minutes. Not even five minutes. Like, and if you're American, you probably don't know what that is. And that's okay. They have grapes, and that's all that matters. They were on sale. They were still a little bit pricey, but this is a choice grape, man. It's hard to put a price on like a perfect grape. It is. And the, the, here's the thing. So I've spent years working in the like local and organic food industry, and everything is better fresh and local and there is almost no exception. However, the grapes that we grow in Niagara and stuff cannot compare to these like massive Californian and Mexican grapes that have this crispness. It's unbelievable. I will say some of those grapes that you guys have gotten through work, yeah, are really good. They're ama- it's but it's like a completely different fruit, I should uh-huh. say. It's not better or worse, but it is it's just a completely different eating experience because they're very soft. But they have more flavor than this does. I'm going to adjust the pop filter. Yeah, and then Grant felt it necessary to buy four containers of sushi because he had, <laughs> he had never seen that much sushi there before. So it's not there okay. anymore. The amount of times I have shopped at this grocery store late at night is unbelievable. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think that they just expect to see me there past about nine at night now. Mm-hmm. Because that is when I do pretty much all my grocery shopping is between the hours of 9 and 11 p.m. Because it's amazing. You roll into there. It's very chill. There's nobody in the store. I had to go shopping on New Year's Eve, I think I went shopping, to get the uh, kind of like ingredients for nachos because you Mm -hmm. and a couple of my other friends came over for New Year's Eve. And I walked in there and it was just like a completely different experience and one I did not like. There were, like, people there? There were so many people, like, cutting in front of you, old ladies going so slow. Oh, my goodness. With their carts right down the middle of the aisle. You just got to push them aside and keep going, you know? I don't care if you've had both hips replaced. Don't let the old ladies get you down. That's why they have the mobility scooter. Just Mm -hmm. give up on walking if you suck so hard doing it. Yeah, well, they probably can't drive either. That's, yeah. Anyway. I remember when we did the Alaskan cruise, uh, was... That was the most I've ever hated old people. 
Really? And you normally hate them quite a yeah. lot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, but seriously, the problem is, on these cruise ships, there are very long, very narrow corridors, and no cruise attracts retired people like an Alaskan cruise. Very true. I don't know why. It's a great. It was a. It was a beautiful trip. But yeah, so we'd be stuck behind uh, these walkers and the eighty-year-olds who leaned on them for like a hundred-meter-long corridor, and it's like, dude, I'm in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on my way to Skagway. Just let me get to Don't the buffet. Don't make me throw you off the side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, you'll land on an iceberg. It'll be like what the Inuit did to their elders. Is that true? I don't know. Probably not. That seems that seems fictional that yeah. they that they took their elderly and just left them on ice floes to die. Yeah. Should we? Do you want to hit that? Do you, chuck the pour the blood in there and let's get the music going. No. Oh. Wait, no. What? Okay. Huh? You cut me off before I could finish my okay. little anecdote, and that is, I go shopping at the Sobeys grocery store several times a week late at night, generally mm-hmm. to buy like two things. It drives my wife crazy because she's upstairs right now unloading like an entire trunk full of groceries, which is how you're supposed to do grocery shopping. And mm-hmm. I go in there and I come up with like. A bread, mm-hmm. and then I go home. Um, but I had never seen even close to the range of sushi that they had in there tonight, and so of course I wanted to take advantage of it because I suddenly. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Sorry. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> so anyway, I found it necessary to purchase some some food. Mm-hmm. Anyway. On with the show. On with the show. You know it's a good day when your supper consists of some ice cream at like 7 and then some sushi at like quarter after 9, 9.30. You had a piece of pizza as well. No, I was talking to you. Oh. I yeah. had... Uh, I had like I had two, two, two spoonfuls of ice cream. Two spoonfuls. I had two pieces of pizza at like 4.45 and then two more at like 6.30. Oh. Yeah. I made a really crazy. nice... I made a really nice pizza yesterday with some nice mozzarella cheese from Quebec. Oh. I had some ground venison on there. Um, and then I did like some fried onions and mushrooms and then some basil pasta sauce. And it was fantastic. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. What's that I hear you asking? Oh, it's only the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and is hosted by two brothers, myself, Grant, and my brother. That's me, Jason. Jason, what are we talking about today? Today we were talking about John Mark McMillan's surprisingly recent album, People with Ger- with Dreams. People with Germs. Yeah. That's and, everybody. Uh, oh, yeah. there's so many people in my class who are sick right now, and it's really making me paranoid. Anyway, there's no Wikipedia page for this album, which I was just saying to you is very mm-hmm. surprising to me, because I feel like John Mark McMillan, well, he should be incredibly famous. Yeah. Do you want me to make something up? But he is only moderately famous. I mean, he released it. Uh, Fe- Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, twenty twenty, is the follow up to twenty seventeen's yes. Mercury and Lightning, which we criminally underrated. Which we like. That's the biggest mistake we've. Okay, unironically, in all seriousness, mm-hmm. that's the biggest mistake we've made probably ever on this podcast. I think so. It it was in our album of the year. I think it, it was I may fourth have, for you, I may have and it was it an fourth. honorable mention for me. And it should have been second, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I and so a lot of this discussion, at least for me, will be measuring this new album, Peopled with Dreams, up against Mercury and Lightning, comparing, contrasting, and maybe 
maybe finding which one's better, which one I prefer more, mm-hmm. I should say. John Mark McMillan <clears throat> is a Christian artist, but mostly defies like the praise and worship stereotype, which to me has a stigma of not being very good. <laughs> yes. Uh, because I think John Mark McMillan as a musician can stand toe-to-toe with the best musicians in any genre, and his belief system doesn't define or limit the quality of his music. Yeah, and we it should be noted that although we are both Christian mm-hmm. individuals, neither of us really listen to any Christian music, which is a question I get Not a lot. Sometimes. Asked, asked by christian friends is mm-hmm. oh what artist do you like and i'm like i uh David you ever hear Bowie? of black midi <laughs> yeah uh, led zeppelin uh kendrick lamar i don't know like rolling stones and i consider kind of recent johnny cash christian music i guess yeah well some of that the but, gospel stuff but no it's not like contemporary no. christian music or as they call it ccm which i believe is also a hockey a brand it of is. hockey equipment also the brand that uh, my bicycle was from canadian oh Tire. yeah there you go. that bike sucked Yep. Well, thanks, Canadian Dart. Whoa. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But um, but neither of us really listen to any Christian music in in a huge in a huge way. Mostly no. because it uh, it tends to have a kind of a processed and a perfunctory feel to it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where uh, where it feels like the artist is just checking off a list of things that are trendy. Ambient guitar, check. Um, and I'm talking about. You know, 2019s, 2020s, uh, Christian music are gated, gated reverb snare, check, and a little bit of an R&B influence for the kids, maybe? Check. Check. Um, and but- we, we're in the minority of Christians who feel that way, and as I just finished saying in our last recording, I'm trying to be more mindful of, of thinking about how people should like what people like, and who really cares if everyone else hates it. Totally. But the inverse is also true. I don't feel like I'm obligated to like this just because of my belief system. No, yeah. Because it, I don't think it's great. Yeah. I've got opinions too, yo. Yeah. But with that in mind... John, uh, John Mark McQuillan has always adhered to a very high standard of yes. musical production. And I believe that to be fairly evident of this album. So I think... Should we start with production and then go to performance and then to like lyrical content that sort of thing could sure. walk walk through it why not so yeah what did you what did you think of the production of this album and and you can feel free to compare it to Mercury and Lightning which is the only other John Mark McMillan album we have reviewed on yeah. this show and the only John Mark McMillan albums i would say i'm intimately familiar with are this album now Mercury and Lightning, and then also The Medicine. Yes. I, I spent a long time listening to a lot of The Medicine years ago, and it's yeah. a great album. It is very good. Um, I've also listened to a fourth album of his, a moderate amount, but I can't remember what it's called right Economy? now. Economy? Yeah, maybe. Like, I've listened to it a few times kind of yeah. thing, but not a ton. So Mercury and Lightning, the production on that is, like, world-class. Absolutely. Phenomenal. And I expected this to be just as good, and I wasn't let down at all. This trades off, I think, some of the bite and some of the punch that Mercury and Lightning had. I think Mercury and Lightning, uh, no pun intended, sounded a bit more like electric and electrifying. And I think this album has a bit of a softer, rounder, mellower feel. And part of that is that some of the synths and distortion have been traded for more piano 
and strings. A lot of piano. A lot of piano. Um, so I think that the production changed to reflect that. And I think what we have is a little bit of a softer sounding album. I'd but I don't think that's... I think that that is not good or bad. I think it's just different. Um, and I think that the production quality of this is just as good as Mercury and Lightning. I've said before, I'll say it again. I think that the sign of truly phenomenal production in any album is when it makes your speakers, your headphones, whatever, sound better than they are. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those albums. I would say that the the piano the piano that's present in this album is very bouncy. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost a barroom kind of style piano mm-hmm. or kind of a uh rolling um I, I don't know. Like it's, it's very barroom, very very jaunty, very bouncy, very clean, clear sounding and the overall production of the album is generally very airy. And I mean that in a, in a really good way. It's very lively sounding. It sounds more like a performance mm-hmm. than Mercury and Lightning, which for me, Mercury and Lightning is just this densely layered monolith of every good and beautiful sound that mm-hmm. I have ever heard from guitar tones to synth tones, drum tones, even the vocal recording techniques are just fantastic. And I don't. I don't understand. It's it's a lot like what I was saying about I, I by Bon Iver. I don't understand how somebody creates music that is so lush and so densely layered. Yeah, I agree with that. And that is certainly like abundantly true of Mercury and Lightning. Like it's like it stands out to you. And I think it's kind of true here, but in a more sparse fashion. Just the the interesting choices, note choices for guitar in the song Brother John. It opens with this swinging drum beat and then this really weird kind of clangy off. Isn't that called Cousin John? No, it's called Brother John. Is it Brother? I think. No, no, I think you're right. It is called Cousin John because John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus Christ. So, Dude, I didn't even think about that. Seriously? that's what this, It says Cousin John, keep your head. Like huh. that's like the whole... Wow. Wow, okay. Anyway, we'll get to lyrical content and Jason's <laughs> lack of grasp on it later. Oh. But um, but the song "Cousin John" opens with this this rolling drum beat, this kind of swinging drum beat, and then this really odd kind of out of key guitar bit comes in that I found really cool and kind of jarring, but in a nice way, and just the. The overall sparseness to these songs, but still with a very interesting, like maybe a distorted vocal loop mm-hmm. that kind of just churns away in the background and just fills out the sound just that little bit more. But you're never facing these gigantic walls of synths with the notable exception of one track in the album, which is. I would have to look at the track list. I don't know. Come on, man. Give me. You can keep going, and I'll, I'm going to look up the track list. Okay. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember which song it is, too. Oh, okay. You can't. You which can't. which title it is. But anyway, um, I I will say, these songs also move by incredibly quickly. It's an 11 track album. The the playtime on this is 38 minutes. And wow, that's it, eh? The, I didn't yeah. even look at that. And the longest song on it is four and a half minutes long, mm-hmm. whereas the first song is two minutes, 20, 
six seconds, then followed by three minutes and 55, two minutes 47, two minutes 56. So these songs go by at really a very rapid clip, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't really feel like that. This is the kind of album that I think you can loop a few times before you get tired of it in one listening session. I think so. Um, I would say that this album, in in the production slash instrumentation wheelhouse, to me lacks some of the uh, textural variants mm-hmm. that something like Mercury and Li- Lightning had in spades, I might add. So there's a little bit less... I think of an album-wide dynamic here. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I understand that Mercury and Lightning had a more distinctive texture than this album did, and so I think that sets it apart a little bit more. But I think that this album is just as coherent. I would not say for a second that Mercury and Lightning has a more distinctive palette. I think this album sounds weirder really? in terms of yeah, in terms of. And it could be just that I'm used to Mercury and Lightning, but mm. I, Mercury and Lightning just sounds completely epic, like oh killer-style epic. And this album just has an, a really interesting mix of textures from that, like we were talking about the barroom piano, to what could be some really raucous and almost jazzy, mm-hmm. like new jazz, neo-jazz drums that might get you know really rambunctious and kind of kind of go off beat a little bit, you know, or syncopated. Oh, sorry, my that's that's Hannah using the vacuum sealer. Oh, is that what that is? I believe she's hey, vacuum sealing chicken. I want to ask. I want to let her know she can have some grapes. Oh, okay. Hey, Hannah, help yourself to grapes if you want. They're by the that's door. Loud. No, it's okay. No, it's fine. Have some grapes if you want because they're like fantastic. Okay. They're by the door. She loves grapes. They're real good. Feel. No, you seal. Nobody this. listens to the show. Did you kill it first. <laughs> okay. What were you saying? She's a delightful person. Um, I can't remember honestly. Let me. <laughs> we were talking about the textures, and you disagreed. Yeah, yeah. You thought no, this I was think more I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of elements here that could clash mm-hmm. if they weren't handled so masterfully, and that struck me right out the gate listening to the opening track, Jesus or Christ Jesus. Just the bizarre, you know, he's got that, that kind of synthetic vocal part. Mm-hmm. He's going, Christ Jesus. And there's this kind of cascading. Um, what's the what's that one killer song on Sam's Town that opens with that? You should know by now. You oh, that's, that's like the, list. oh, that's Don't called My List. Give. There you go. So in that song, it opens with that really wonderful kind of warbly, um, gramophone mm-hmm. almost uh, sound yeah. that that gives kind of some good character if it's used sparingly and used correctly Jason's holding up a grape that looks just like a butt right now it looks just like a uh, just a tush and he okay yeah, don't just don't say that don't play with your food anyway um let me try and find this this one mm-hmm. song i think it might be hammering heart mm-hmm. which has and i'll play a little clip of it for the Podcast because I don't think John will sue us to be no, honest. No, I don't think so. Um, and also, I think I think that this album does have yeah. a really nice mix of sound, like you were saying. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and... so this this is the this is Hammering Heart. This is the only song that's anything like Mercury and Lightning in terms of this. 
which is yeah, just very like nice. that's just amazing mm-hmm. and it's oh like wow i i love that point of the album and that's that's kind of a it's kind of a midway mm-hmm. track in the album and so moving on from from production to performance what do you think mm-hmm. of the performances vocal and otherwise on this album uh, i'll get there in a second i want to stop and talk for oh, a okay. second yeah. and we should talk about this before we do our next topic like in the opener for next episode okay about how how much of a role when you first heard the album plays in how much you enjoy it because the first time i heard this album was when i was driving to school early in the morning and the sun was coming up and it was like this glorious crisp winter day and there's like this beautiful sunrise yep and i was just like rocketing down the road and cranking this album and to me i think that that's i think this album will let me recapture that feeling for maybe the rest of my life or at least a long time and i think that's not necessarily a a, anything to the album's you know to the album's praise but uh, it gets a bump for me for that. That's that's just an aside. The, mm-hmm. And there, it's funny. There are some albums I can remember very vividly. My first time or second time or my introduction to them. Let's get there on the next opener thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's I think that'd be fun to talk about for a few minutes. But but a lot of my favorite albums I can't really remember. But mm-hmm. um, some some of them are kind of notable. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find. Um, are messages on Facebook because I know that a listener actually got in touch. What about yes. this album? Um, no, not about this album. About oh yeah, that's right. Maybe something else we talked about previously. Yeah, it was about uh, Black Midi. Black Midi, right? Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll uh, read that uh, in in a moment. I in think. Due time. Yes, but the the performances are fantastic. I mean, John Mark McMillan is. One of those guys who is... I think he's a good singer, but he's not like a phenomenal singer. He's but not like he's, Freddie Mercury. No, no, not by any means. But I think he's a really good vocalist because he he's is. really emotive and really evocative without ever being over the top or gimmicky or anything like that. He just has a really soulful voice. And and I think that's something that really sells the music and sells the message of what he's singing about. And... Going towards instrumental, one thing that I made a note of that I wanted to make sure I referenced is he could not have done a better job of continuing on without James Duke. And this is this is two albums in the past Guitar- at gu- this point. I should say guitarist uh, extraordinaire James, James Duke. James Duke was John Mark McMillan's guitarist for quite a while and like just a fantastic guitarist and left before Mercury and Lightning. And now that we're two albums I past think- it... Sorry, I think he left before uh, Borderlands. Maybe so, yeah. Oh, I also listened to a lot of Borderlands yeah. when I was talking good about album. what I was familiar with. Yeah, I really like that. John Mark Millen did such a good job of not trying to fill that void and not being stuck trying to have a really elegant guitar-heavy sound, which is what he had before. Yep. And he's transitioned to something that is wholly more percussive. And even sometimes when he uses piano, he uses it percussive as much as... Uh, melodic as much as melodic yeah thank you and he still has guitar and and the guitar is still really pleasing but i think it's really fantastic that he was willing to evolve into like another stage as an artist instead of 
just being what he was, but worse after his fantastic guitar. Well, I, yeah, he didn't try and fill that void. No. He just took a took a hard left. And yeah, John and Mark McMillan himself is actually a very good guitarist. Oh, sh- sure, but he's I mean, really good. And he James Duke was like really good. James Duke is one of those guys who could just conjure up such interesting lead lines and riffs and mm-hmm. and could really just that one guy with a guitar could fill out the space that three normal guitarists would occupy mm-hmm. you know and and he is a fantastic musician very talented and did great work with John Mark McMillan on a huge amount of of records but yeah I agree with that and I think honestly that John Mark's sound has never been better or more unique it's matured without losing any sort of the emotiveness that was appealing in it 10 years ago you yeah know? um so for me for performances i i would have to say the drums are a real standout yes on yeah. a lot of these tracks and i'm just kind of obsessed with drums in general um mm-hmm. they're kind of everything for me in terms of a successful record or a successful song it says the guy who listens to the white stripes <laughs> That's true, but the the badness of the drums is part of the goodness of the band. When when the chemistry works, a song like "Fell in Love with a Girl," I wouldn't want Neil Peart on that. I guess I don't know, you know. But then you got some songs where it's just it's a little it's a little upsetting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I loved the drums. I thought I think John Mark McMillan just has such an interesting voice in terms of the texture and the heft of his voice. He's got a really unique. Um, kind of weave to it and I've always thought he has like the perfect voice for like mournful Mm -hmm. country songs like that Johnny Cash he's got that really rich golden Mm -hmm. baritone voice and it is it's always been kind of at odds with the music he creates Mm -hmm. like his voice isn't exactly like you'd kind of expect a clean maybe a, a high baritone or a tenor in music of this this hue mostly this joyful kind of kind of praise music I don't know I don't know what you want to call it it's pretty genre defined it, it's very vibrant mm-hmm. I guess I'll say his music is very vibrant and you would expect a more vibrant voice or a, a voice just of a different frequency but I think his works so wonderfully and it always stands out, and I think he has never really sounded more comfortable in his voice than he does uh, on this album. I think he did mm-hmm. a great job. In he, I don't know, he just he always sounds good. Yeah. Who am I kidding? I love his voice. I think it's great. Um, so I I want to talk about the stumbles that I feel like the album had. Yeah. Because I don't I think there were very few. You don't want to go lyric and then do our cons. We can do lyrics. Okay, sure. Let's do, let's do lyrics. What did you feel? What were your opinions on the lyrics? I mean, they're phenomenal. He, he, lyric-wise, he made a pivot, I would say, back to being uh, quite a bit more overtly Christian. And he definitely had some of that in the last album, for sure. But the last album was kind of track by track, I would say. Like yeah. some tracks you listen to and it's just poetry and it's biblical, but whatever. And then some other songs would be like more obvious. Yeah, this album, in terms of lyrics, seems more like a uh, album of praise than his last album did. Yeah, I'd agree. But bearing that in mind, I don't. I think 
I can't think of an album that has ever been written this well. Yeah. On that's this overtly praise kind of thing. Yeah. Um, maybe like some old Newsboys was really good, and that would be a fun one for us to review. It would that's, be. Yeah. That's like going back to our roots. Mm-hmm. But the album is a pivot. I would say lyrically more than in any other way for Mercury and Lightning, in my opinion. But it's equally successful and. It says a lot that for his next album, I don't really care if he goes with this style or Mercury and Lightning lyrically because I want to hear more of both. Yeah, I I have to confess, I think that broadly speaking, Mercury and Lightning's lyricism was a little a little more satisfactory for me. Anyway, um, it's more abstract, mm-hmm. I think, and. I don't know. I I just I feel like the the lyricism in Mercury and Lightning worked a little bit better for me than it does here. Some of the choruses are a little repetitive. I understand for that. me yeah. and and with songs this short, as m- many of them are, you really do have to hit hard lyrically to to leave a lasting impact. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't have have a couple kind of subpar lyrics and then coast on a wicked instrumental for you know three of the five minutes your song's on <clears throat> black midi <laughs> come on that's radiohead she if anybody. moved to the purpose <laughs> okay that's you like those lyrics i don't want to hear i don't want you to throw in shade on black midi she moves with a perp anyways <laughs> that's not the album we're talking about today but it should be anyway um but but yet then there were some songs well i that was a weird cadence I picked up mm-hmm. for a second there. Mm-hmm. But but yet then, there were some songs, and among them, let me just pull this up here. The Road, The Rocks, and The Weeds, which mm-hmm. I thought were almost Connor Oberst-like in the lightness of touch, mm-hmm. the masterful command of poetry and the English language, and how... You know, you know how a lot of songs we always talk about the "ite" rhymes. Yes, light, fight, bright, night, mm-hmm. tonight, and so many pop songs or heart, apart, mm-hmm. fart. fart. Yeah, <laughs> woo. Yeah, uh, so many songs kind of riff on the same rhymes because they're just easy. They're mm-hmm. easy, and and you can really. It's not so much that you notice when a, a writer. A lyricist is writing to the rhyme. Mm-hmm. So much as for me, I notice when they're not. Right. And that's somebody like Connor Oberst. Or uh, a lot of Bob Dylan, I would say. And Two of the great songwriters of all time. Yeah. Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. is a great example. Where the the lyrics that rhyme, it's almost like a happy coincidence that they rhyme at all. Yeah. And I admire that so hugely. And I think on that song, especially the road or what's it, the road, the, road, the rocks. rocks and the weeds. I think that yeah. he really achieved that, and I think that song is definitely something special. Mm-hmm. So, do do you want to? How how do you feel like the? Should we talk about the track list and the album progression? And... No, I want to talk about my issues and then circle around and end positively. You want to talk about your issues? My issues, because this is an album that I really love. Uh, and there's just two things I want to address. And one of them I don't think you're going to agree with, and the other one you should. 
agree with. Do you dislike the cover because it kind of looks like a textbook doodle? Not because of that, but I just dislike it in general. Yeah, I don't really like the cover. Uh, it's in this era, as I've talked about ad nauseum, of like fantastic cover art, which I love. It's so it's so cool that most albums that you buy now if you still buy CDs or records <coughs> or whatever they're just beautiful to display mm-hmm. I love that uh, but this is not one of those albums I don't like the album art it looks like kind of amateur it looks one note it seems kind of Valentine's Day themed that's true yeah it does um, and it was released on Valentine's Day but the album content has nothing to do that I can tell with Valentine's Day um, I just think it's kind of subpar and that's a not obviously a deal breaker or anything, but kind of a bummer. It I will bums say me out. it definitely has kind of a psychedelic seventies vibe. But the sad thing to it, too, which, it, which is a little confusing because it is not psychedelic or seventies. The sad thing too is a few of John Mark's m- most recent projects have been so gorgeous aesthetically. Yeah, Mercury and Lightning was like some of the best album uh, art design that I've ever seen. Yep. Um, Borderlands was fantastic. Borderlands is great. And You Are the Avalanche was like an EP he did. Oh, I didn't that see I really that. liked. Uh, it's a, a few years old. And I'll pull up the album art for you now. But it's another, like, gorgeous image. So I was bummed out by that. I mean, although, to be fair, this, uh, this, his, his previous stuff, the stuff you're talking about, all looks very digital, very sleek, very clean. And this does not. It's a picture of him, like, kind of an oval, like a, like uh what are those called uh cam what do you call that i, I don't know oh jeez i don't really know me. what you're going for but anyway um like a little oval photograph of him framed by like these kind of red and pink geometric mm-hmm. lines and you the photo can... of him is also red and pink um so this it could could just be something to do with the kind of tonal shift he made musically as well and he just wanted to represent himself and that mm-hmm. change with different art. I mean, it's certainly, it's obviously not going to make or break anybody's experience with the album. That's really nice. Oh, yeah, me. that is very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, that That's a little, this is the art for You Are the Avalanche. I think that's a little, I don't know, it looks it looks a little, I really don't want to say girly. I don't know, I like it. I'll take it. But And then my other complaint with the album is I don't really like the song, or it's not a bad song, but the song Cousin John, I think cuts into the rhythm of the album and is the only time that I really want to skip a song, like kind of consistently. In isolation, I don't think it's a bad song, but I don't think it fits. I don't think the rhythm and the the feel of the song fit with the rest of the album. I think if you took it out, what you'd have is a more streamlined experience. I don't think the album is too long, but I do think if you took that song out, there would be a little more coherence and it would fit together better. Sure. Um, but the fact that those are my only two real complaints are pretty rad. Like this is a album of the year contender for sure. And it's really fun. It's really fun to have this come out in February because I'm going to be enjoying it all year. And I mean, longer as we come up to album of the year 2020. I will say, I think my main complaints for this album would be that some of the choruses and vocal lyrical melodies Mm -hmm. are a little repetitive and 
maybe just not quite up to the usual standard of excellence that mm-hmm. John Mark McMillan has kind of made for himself. And that that was disappointing at times, but I mean really he's still just phenomenal and the the musical textures and techniques on this album are a thing of beauty and a wonderful wonderful thing to listen to and i think i think most people would enjoy at least taking a dip yeah. in this album even if it's not kind of your wheelhouse mm-hmm. in terms of genres i think it's hard to dispute the quality of the music yeah if anybody listened to it and went, this is garbage. I This is poorly I, done. Yeah, I probably wouldn't believe that that was actually your opinion. I would doubt your credentials. Yes. But then again, we have no credentials. Yeah. So all in all, yeah, check it out for sure. I think it'll be in the conversation for Album of the Year. Um, right now, I like Mercury and Lightning more by a moderate amount. But the problem is, I got burned so hard last time I talked about a new John Mark McMillan album because yeah. it grew on me so much. So... I'm excited to come back to it in 10 or 11 months when we'll discuss it again for album of the year and see what happened. We'll be like probably thinking that it's the the great album of all time. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. But um, it's very good. But it is incredibly, incredibly good. Now, should we do our listener feedback? Yes. <laughs> uh, would you like a grape? Well, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. going to eat some more sushi in between. Okay. Uh, in between Same, episodes bro. here. Um, so we got we got a little bit of mail here from Harrison Owens, who is a loyal listener and a lovely person, mm-hmm. just in general. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> he he wrote us about the Black MIDI album Schlagenheim, mm. which made it into my top three. It was albums of last year. Something weird, and you didn't have it anywhere in sight. And I still listen to it's, it a lot. And it's I a very it's fun great. album, but it does not deserve to be one of the. It's not one of the best albums of last year. It absolutely is. And here's what Harrison has to say about that. Uh, listen to the Black MIDI album last night. After my first listen, it's ellipses interesting (laughs) (laughs) i was reading this because i responded to him i was like oh yeah i had a good chuckle too i don't dislike it but any attempt to seriously listen to it got difficult because i couldn't get into the groove i'm a big rock slash metal fan and at times it really scratched that itch but not long enough for me overall i have very mixed feelings and i might try to give it another listen and then he tells us that the uh band released a single last week and it's quite a trip so uh yeah harrison i don't know what to tell you except that uh same i guess you know i the first couple times i listened to uh, parts of schlagenheim i was i didn't really know what to think i didn't really know how i felt about it or like i couldn't tell if i hate it like i was pretty sure i hated it but there was some kind of weird magnetism that kept drawing me back and and it really is just an acquired taste, and I think. I, I want to be clear about this. This is this is an interesting contrast to make for a second with John Mark McMillan, mm-hmm. which, we, as we were just talking about, has pretty much undisputed quality in my mind. If you listened to Schlagenheim and you were like, this is bad, I'd be like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is very much so up for debate, and I think that I can't fault you if you don't like the album. It's... Uh, it's weird. Absolutely. And not. I don't know yeah. really why I like it. Yeah, me neither. It's just kind of fun. <laughs> and and please be to be clear, Harrison, I I never listen to 
metal or really like really heavy music anything thrashy mm-hmm. i don't really do it i don't really do any punk except for like some of the older punk stuff like 68 yeah yeah 68 easily the heaviest i get yeah. and i don't listen to them very frequently either so you did back when we did our two parts viper review like yeah but years that is ago. that's a, that yeah Oof. maybe i'll get that dig that out and put it in my mm, car for that's a good life. album that is so sir anyway so yeah all i can say is i truly don't blame you i'm not gonna throw a lightning bolt at you or anything but give it a little break come back to it let us know what you think about it then we can make this an ongoing segment yeah. schlagenheim with harrison wow that's i think we might have just did something yeah okay. anyway uh so thank you so much for listening that has been our discussion of peopled Peopled with Dreams? Yes. Peopled with Dreams, the John Mark McMillan album from this very year of our Lord, 2020. And uh, if you have listened to this album, as I know some of you have, and uh, have strong opinions about it, or even uh, very mild opinions about it, drop us a line. You can uh, message us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can send us an email at thegoodshipbrothership.gmail.com. And we'll talk about it next time. I'm Grant. And I'm Jason. Until next time, I'm going to get more grapes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how many grapes is too many grapes? They're supposed to be good for before you go to bed. That's true, but you're not going to bed yet, son. Yeah, I'll have some... I've got to have some more sushi, too, and I'll eat transfer you, like, $4. Okay.